Welcome to Betty Bites, a decidedly delicious, short and sweet mind snack for your brain to chew on. I've gone back into the Betty library and pulled out my favorite Betty sound bites, a recipe you might say. It's bits of wisdom, sprinkles of knowledge, and a dash of dry humor for you to do and be better. So let's let's talk a little bit about personal care products. We touched on phthalates already. Um, I wanted to also talk about feminine products because I think that um, I, I wanted to carve out a special category here because I think that there are women still in their reproductive years that every single month are putting this like bleached, super toxic, you know, pad and or tampon or both um, around their vulva for many hours of the day. So can you speak to some potential, well, maybe what some of the potential effects are of using some of these traditional products and then what alternatives we might consider um, for, uh, for feminine care? Right. So, you know, there's, uh, I think it's the organization Women's Voices for the Earth has done uh, a lot of work in this area. They have a, 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 I don't know if it was a a campaign that they did called Detox the Box, which was all about this. That was pretty funny. I dug dug that. Um, But what they found is that, you know, these, you know, whether it's a conventional tampon or a pad or whatever, um, that there are um, plasticizers, there's phthalates that are present. There's also dioxins that are present because of that bleaching. So it's not that there's necessarily um, chlorine residues from the bleach in these products, but that the that um, process of bleaching can produce these dioxins, which are very potent carcinogens. Is the exposure significant? I think we don't know enough about isolating those exposures from all the other exposures that we're getting, right? Like this is why research in this space can be really challenging sometimes is because like, how do I isolate? Is it the, is it the pad that's causing the problem? Or is it these other exposures that I'm getting from a thousand other different places that are causing the problem? But we do know that that tissue is extremely absorptive, right? And that, that is concerning. And so, you know, I do think that it is important for us to be really careful about the products that we're putting into our bodies or onto our bodies in those areas. Um, and I think, you know, if we can move towards at the very least, if somebody's going to use a tampon, let's make sure that it's um, an organic cotton that doesn't have pesticide residues. Um, most of these are not bleached cotton. Um, so they're organic unbleached cotton, which means that they're avoiding the issues of pesticide residues in the cotton. They're avoiding issues of dioxins. Um, uh, some of the, the sort of conventional tampons often have like layers of polyester, which is a type of plastic. And so we wanna minimize the use of those types of products. And you know, I encourage people if, if they're used to using tampons to start moving towards the silicone menstrual cups, yeah. which first of all, they save you so much money. It's a little bit pricier upfront the first time you buy it, but if one's gonna last you a couple of years and you never, I mean, I've been using one for six or seven years now and like, I don't know, haven't had to buy a dang thing. Right. So like it, again, it's one of those changes that it actually saves you money in the long term. So um, uh, the financial aspect of it shouldn't hopefully be a deterrent for people. Um, You know, there are instances in which I think silicone is not an ideal material to use. 
Um, and that would be like in a high heat oven situation. But in the context of this, I think silicone is um, fine to use, totally uh, safe in, in this model. Um, if we're looking at pads, I think again, what we're looking for are organic cotton. We're looking, there's plenty of companies out there that, that offer these. If people want to use reusables, um, you know, uh, cotton pads, like the whole glad rag style, um, those options exist. But I do really think um, uh, that we want to move away from those conventional products. A lot of those products also have fragrances added. Talk about another place where fragrances are sneaking in. Right. And that's just because they're like, you know, trying to, oh, it's got this, you know, layer of fresh scent so that yeah. nobody's you know like it's you know like the morning breeze or whatever they call it right yeah. um and it's it's just marketing these are not we do not want to have scented products um near um any highly absorptive skin like that now you know what's i mentioned earlier when i was talking about phthalates that like high molecular weight phthalates are used in plastics and low molecular weight phthalates are used in these fragrance mixtures but low molecular weight phthalates are so the molecules are so small that they easily pass through the skin and enter the bloodstream this is why we have phthalates in our urine is because they just migrate right into the bloodstream because the molecule size is so small, passes right through the layers of the skin. Um, and this is why women of childbearing age have the highest levels of phthalates. Um, I think it's 20 times the normal pop rest of the population because they're using so many products. Your lipstick can have fragrance added. Your mascara can have fragrances added. Like this is an unnecessary place, like unnecessary, totally unnecessary, but we have so many of exposed, so many of these exposures. It's not just through makeup and personal care products. Again, it's through the scented candles, the air fresheners, laundry detergents, cleaning products. Yeah. And so women of childbearing age that are either, you know, using a lot of these personal care products and or also doing, you know, house cleaning and laundry and things like that are going to be disproportionately exposed. Um, and that is concerning because these chemicals are reproductive toxins. So the reason why they highlight in the research that they're women of childbearing age is because, you know, these chemicals are going to affect um, or can affect fetal development. They can affect um, outcomes for children in terms of, you know, even things like behavior, ADHD, um, depression, anxiety have all been linked back to these, you know, in utero uh, uh, phthalate exposures. Boys um, that are have exposures to phthalates in the womb um, have, or have higher incidences of um, a birth defect called hypospadias, which is where the urethra does not develop at the end of the penis, but somewhere else along the shaft has to be surgically corrected. Um, uh, there is in rodent studies that are looking at phthalates. This is research that's been done um, by Dr. Shauna Swan. She's brilliant. She's got a lot of papers on this, these topics. Um, they've identified what they call phthalate syndrome in rodents and rodent studies. They're able to replicate this. And phthalate syndrome is represented by this cluster of symptoms like hypospadias, like um, undescended testicles, smaller penis size, but then also this shorter anogenital distance, which is that distance that's measured between the anus and the, the genitals. And that's a marker of masculinization or feminization. So the shorter that anogenital distance, that is a marker of feminization. Right? because women have a smaller distance on their anatomy than men do. And so we're starting to see those same types of 
symptoms, if you will, in the human population. So it's, you know, yes, we can replicate these in rodent studies, but it's when we start seeing it mirrored in, um, in, in, human, in the human population, like that's where it's pretty concerning. Yes, 100% agree. And the, the significance I just wanted to, you may have already mentioned this, but just in case um, my listeners didn't catch it, the significance of it of it being able to be absorbed directly into the bloodstream is that it doesn't go through the liver, which is the detoxification organ. So for in order for the liver to say, okay, this is a toxin, let me change it into an intermediate and then find a way to excrete it. It doesn't do that. It eventually gets there, right? But when it absorbs directly into the bloodstream, this is where the problem, then it just hangs around and has this opportunity to create and wreak havoc on, you know, developmentally, as you said, neurodevelopmentally, uh, reproductive organs, etc. Yeah, that's bypasses first pass metabolism. And this is true for anything that we absorb or that we inhale. All right, Bettys, if you found that that little snippet wet your appetite and you are looking for more, you can go to our show notes for this episode. And in the show notes, we will have a link for you to click on and it will bring you to the full, robust, juicy conversation.